You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Mitch here from Geek Elite Media, and I want to talk to you about Cuts by Candace, an experienced hairstylist that is willing to work with you to get the right look for you. When it comes to important events in my life and I need to look good, I trust my hair with Candace. Mention our promo code GEEKOUT when making your appointment through the end of May 2019 and you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candace on Facebook and Cuts by Candace 3 on Instagram and start looking the best you, you can. Hey, Mitch! I want to thank Spizzle for being here today on the Hey Mitch podcast. You know, it was great to finally meet you when we were at the Yuma County Library Comic Con. Oh, definitely. Or Library Con. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, we sat there. We talked for quite a bit about uh, everything everything underneath the sun. Yeah, we sure did. No, it was. And uh, to be honest with you, I saw you. I knew you were going to be there. And I, I kind of walked around for a little bit before I, <laughs> I kind of came up to you and introduced myself. But no, it, it was great meeting you. And yeah, we, we chopped it up for quite a bit. We and, did. You know, and that's fine. Like, I mean, there w- there wasn't much else going on, so <laughs> I, I appreciated you coming up and talking to me. That, well, that was well, great. Well, I'm glad because I know sometimes I kind of just keep on rambling around and on going on different subjects. And, you know, I was like, sometimes I'm, I walk away from a conversation and be like, man, I wonder if I really bored that person. <laughs> you know, they were just being nice to me and entertaining the fact that I just kept on talking. So I'm, I'm glad that you were, you know, it helped you out and, you know, it was, you enjoyed the conversation also. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know what? I ha- I know that exact same feeling because the same thing happens to me. I'm like, I wonder if people were just done listening to me talk sometimes, <laughs> just placating. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm truly happy that you decided to come on, on the show. Um, well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I haven't had too many quote-unquote musicians on the show yet. So okay. I'm, I'm definitely interested in learning more about that aspect of geekdom, you yeah. know, kind of thing. Um, how long has it been that you've been in the music biz or, you know, throwing I, throwing stuff around? I started in 1986. Okay. I was a sophomore in high school. Um, I, you know, listened to hip-hop music. I would find tapes. My friends would have tapes that they would get from cousins that sent them to them. So... I knew a lot of the underground music before, and it was all underground back then. And and for all the millennials out there, tapes, <laughs> yeah. speaking of, is audio cassettes. Yes, a cassette tape. You had to have a tape player and a box you carried around with you, and a lot of batteries. <laughs> a lot of batteries. And the big honking ones, too. Oh, D-cell. <laughs> <laughs> Big old D cells, yeah. And they they lasted maybe half a day if you're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) This is too true. Uh, and so was it in, in high school itself that you, yes. like the, the school had a funk, had a way for you to express that or is it just you on your own personal? Oh no, it was, it was just us. So, uh, I, you know, when, when breaking came out and beat street, of course, everybody was even in small town, New Mexico, everybody was break dancing. So we were doing that and I just kind of never stopped. I just kept doing it on my own when everybody else, when it went away, when we were in ninth grade, uh, I just kept doing it on my own in my room and I'd started writing stuff and figuring out how to do things. But when I was a sophomore, we, we had, it was basically like, I grew up in Somerton and had to go to school in Yuma. Mm. So that's what my hometown loving and Carlsbad's like, they're 10 miles apart. Right. We didn't have a high school, so we had to go to high school in Carlsbad. So then we're immersed into this different world with people that we competed against in football and basketball and everything. So now we had to become friends. (laughs) (laughs) So when track season started up, um, I met 
I met my friend Gerard and, and Jamal and some of the other guys. So Jamal asked me for a ride home. I took him to his house. He goes, hey, you got, you got a minute? I want to show you something. I'm like, yeah, sure. So get off and go into his room, and he has two turntables set up and mixer on his dresser, and he starts mixing and scratching, and my mind just, <laughs> I was like, I have seen the glory. I know what I want to do. And from that point on, I, all my toys that I had, my remote control cars, my bike, my skateboard, I sold it all to get turntables and a mixer, and it just started from there. Wow. So, I mean, it definitely self-starter, and, uh, you know, when, when, when you did. So that was, I mean, that's the start of your, of your journey. Um, mm-hmm. What was it that made it so that it, it cemented it for you? What was it that was like, this is what I want to do? You know, I, I, I think it was just that moment mm-hmm. because I never stopped. Okay. So you have your ups and downs like everything else. I put it away for a while i didn't make music as often um, i would go years without really doing anything especially as my kids got older mm-hmm. but i knew that it was something i was always gonna do i never stopped thinking of of anything thinking of music thinking of beats thinking of rhymes i just kind of always had it in the back of my mind so i don't think there was like a defining moment after that time that that said, okay, you're going to do this forever. I think just that moment when I saw it, it was it was over for me. I knew that I would always be making music and, and rapping, and I've just been lucky that I've been able to keep that a big part of my life this whole time. Mm-hmm. And and now, uh, as we were talking before, you collaborate with a lot mm-hmm. with a lot of people. Like uh, the music that you sent me through Google Drive, yeah. you know, that was uh, what what was what part of that was you. Oh, that was all me. That was all you. That wasn't anybody else on there. No, that oh. was all me. That was incredible. Yeah, uh, my my business partner Adrian, he does our mix. He mixes and masters my music. Mm-hmm. So, I made the beat, then I put it together in song form, and then I wrote the song, and I recorded it. Did all my ad, you know, our overdubs and all all the different ad libs, and then Adrian will take it, and he knows what I listen to. We've been working together for a, long, a lot of years. And then he makes he t- kind of polishes the sound to to give the finishing touches of it, but yeah, that that's that's what I do. It's all me from from conception to end. I I do it all. Wow, that was pretty incredible. So what what goes into writing a song? It's, I mean, I know that it's very much not a tangible thing. It's not something that you can just sit there and and be like, well, here's A, B, and C. It's a lot of emotion and stuff like that. But what for you goes into writing a song? For me now, at the point where I'm at, um, I'm constantly thinking of, of lyrics and rhyme schemes. So I always have stuff floating around in my head. But when I make a beat, then the music tells me what direction I need to go in, what I should write, what type of cadence I should use. So I'll just, I'll, I'll finish the beat. And if it's something that I'm like, okay, this is dope, I'll turn it off and I'll leave. I'll go have dinner with my wife. We'll go out. I'll come back the next day and play the beat and if it's still dope when i come back to it then i'll keep it because sometimes i come back and i'm like oh no no what was i thinking (laughs) so then once that process is over i'll just listen to it and i'll vibe to it i'll just start thinking of words thinking of lyrics what direction i want to go into and then i just start freestyling over it just coming off the top i'll just start kicking out lyrics kicking out different cadence of rhythm and then once i find it then I'll just start writing. And I still write on paper. A lot of people, a lot of the younger rappers and artists, they'll write on their phone. And I, I use my notes on my phone. I'm not going to lie when I'm not in the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, if something comes up, I think, okay, I, I know I'm not going to remember that. I'll jot it down. But I still write on paper. I put four dots in my column. They, they count out the bars. So I knew between each dot is four bars. Mm-hmm. So I'll just fill out the page nice. till I'm done with the 16. Okay. And, you know, and so I just kind of, sometimes I start writing and it'll, the first four bars I'll throw away because in the second, the rest of the song don't match up, but it kind of sparks something. And so you just got to start jotting ideas down and then you, you'll find, okay, this is where I want to take that song. Then it's like, if, is it going to be a storytelling song or is it just going to be a song where I'm just 
talking about how good I am, mm-hmm. you know, how, how dope of an MC I am. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, that's just, you just kind of go through it. And I've written lyrics and gone back to them the same way and like, no, this is, this is trash. And I discard them. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's interesting. Like, uh, from the process of, of beginning to write the song um, into the, the final product, like, how many, if there is an average, how many rewrites or uh, restructuring would you say there is in, when you're creating? And is, is, there a, is, is there a final before you go into the recording booth? There, the, like, before I want to finish the 16, I'll... I'll probably like my first four, I'll probably go through about three different renditions of the first four bars. Mm-hmm. And, but once, once I have my second, once I have my second four, once I have eight, eight bars of rhyme, I'm pretty much locked in. And then it'll, it'll kind of complete itself. Uh, but, the, but you know, it's like each song's different. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, I mean, I've been, I've sat down and just belted out and pinned out, 16 and then finish the song when I have it, when I do a storytelling song it seems easier than when I'm just doing a vibrato song because I'm, I know what story I want to tell mm-hmm. so I'll write down what I'm saying and then I'll go back and I'll edit it because the way I rhyme you cut words out you don't mm-hmm. have to use a lot of words because it's just kind of harder to keep your cadence Right. so you know I guess would, uh, as far as rewrites, it's, I guess it would be a continuing process mm-hmm. because even in the booth, I've changed things because I'll be, I'll be standing in the, in the engineering room and I'll just be saying the rhyme over the beat, just, just rapping, just to kind of get, get familiar with it, learn it a little bit. Then when you get in the booth and you're in front of the microphone and I always tell people that come in as like, Hey, the booth is the truth. <laughs> it, it's going to test it exposes you. you. Oh yeah, because you get in there and all of a sudden, if you've never been in a recording booth, that mic's in your in your face, and you hear the music, and you see me on the other side and in front of the computer with the, in the engineering room, that beat drops and the voice will crack. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's been times where I'll lay the, I'll lay my verse down and I'll go out and listen to it, and I'm like, okay, no, that doesn't work there. It doesn't flow the way I want it to flow. So, yeah, it's like an, honestly an endless rewriting process until you you get what you really like, and you're listening back to it, and you're like, okay, that's where it's at. Hmm. Okay. So, so then that that mean that that uh, that also with the little thing that you're just talking about, but uh, as someone that's been in front of the microphone, and then someone that's working behind the board, uh, like how. How different is that for you? Is that two different mindsets? Is that, uh, you know, for for creating or you know helping out someone that's that's going to be in the uh, on the mic for the first time kind of thing? It at the beginning it was I would have to shift gears a little bit and I still do. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm in beat mode, I'm in beat mode. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm thinking of is rhythms, drum patterns, samples. Like coming up here, uh, a Run DMC song that I haven't heard in years came on. <laughs> And it was a later later song when they were working with uh, Pete Rock and T.L. Smooth. So it was at, towards the end of their major career. And I'm like, oh, wow, I forgot about that sample. Mm. So I'm like, I'm going to have that sample in my head until I go in and use it. So it, then once I get over the, the beat making process, then I'll, I'll drive around, drive to work, listening to the song, listening to the beat, if I haven't had time to really marinate on it and then that's when the writing process goes but then when i'm recording like if i'm working with an artist i usually blend it all together because i'm listening to them listening how they're delivering their rhyme over the beat listening for hiccups listening for where they kind of fall off uh, off the rhythm they'll fall off the beat and then they'll have to catch up or if they're rapping too fast or rapping too slow. So all of that is just, I'm just calculating in my head while they're doing it. And it, when I hear something, I was like, nope, I'll stop them. And I'm like, okay, this, this is where you were kind of falling off. And we'll go back and listen to it. So I'm basically editing them as they're recording live. And, you know, that's, that's a, a producer's job. Mm. And I, that's, that's one term that the, the younger generation kind of confuses because they say okay i make beats so i'm a producer 
and you're a beat maker. Right. A, a producer is a person who can take the beat. Okay, I like this rhythm. I like the sound. What artist would go good on that beat? Then they go find the artist that'll go good, complement the beat, have them work on it, and then you go into the studio with them and you help them bring the whole project, the whole song to fruition because you're producing the entire song, the whole body of work. Hmm. And you're not just doing one part of it. And most producers, they don't, a lot of them aren't even musicians. Okay. Um, one of the interesting things that I found out that I really didn't know is uh, Jimmy Iovine from uh, Interscope. Mm-hmm. When I saw their documentary about him and him and Dre, I, I did honestly did not know his lineage. What he, is it? He 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 worked with John Lennon. Oh, yeah. He he just started working in a studio and. They're like, hey, we need someone to run the boards, <laughs> and he started running the board. So he is—he's like, one, he's produced some of a lot of the this um, songs from the '60s through the '70s that were a bit huge hits. Uh, he he worked with, um, oh, my mind kills me sometimes. Um, he worked with Bono with U2. He helped production on their early works. So I was like, it was mind blowing. I didn't even know that. I just thought he was a money man. I never knew his lineage. Hmm. And but he's not a musician, right? He just knows sound. He knows he knows what sounds good and how to get the people together. Yep, exactly. That's and, that. That's definitely interesting. That's a, uh, I mean, obviously an integral part to modern music and 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 getting getting uh, getting the the name and stuff out there. But we don't think of it that way. So that's that is interesting. Um, what is it that or, so between when you first started and to now? I mean, everybody likes to make that joke. Oh, music back then was so much better, and it doesn't matter how old you are; it's always back then. Yeah. What what, what is the dramatics for the music that you like you listen to or you produce or you make? Like, has it really changed, or has is it is it still pretty much the same? It's it's pretty much the same. the The difference now, and it, it's a generation thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, I, my dad when rap first started, he's like, "Ah, oh, that ain't gonna last. I'm, that's <laughs> crap. I don't know why you're listening to that. You, you grew up listening to Motown and and the good stuff. I don't know why you're listening to that. Right. And you know, here I am, 48 years old, and I'm still rapping. That's you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> but what the difference is today is. I'll, it seems like kids are looking for the shortcut. The the younger generation, not all of them, but a lot of them are looking for the shortcut mm-hmm. because we live in a day and age where everything's immediate. Mm-hmm. We don't have to wait for anything. If we have to wait for two days for a package to get to our door, we're losing our minds. <laughs> you know. Whereas when I was coming up making music, it took time. You had to learn. Mm-hmm. You had to be good. You you had to know what you were talking about. Because if you walked into a studio, it doesn't matter what studio it was. If you walk into a room where you have some guys that have been making music for quite a while, they're going to question you. And if you don't know what you're talking about, they're, they're going to laugh you out of the room. Same thing with lyrics. When we first started we would cipher we'd get in a circle and we would just start kicking our rhymes and if your rhymes weren't up to par if you were whack you get laughed at and, <laughs> but the thing is we didn't quit mm-hmm. it we it wasn't we're like oh they made fun of me i don't i shouldn't be made fun of no we were like okay shoot you i went home and i started Come writing harder, yeah. i started writing better and i started learning how to put my words together even better because i'm going to get back at you Whereas today, it's it's so immediate that they don't take time to learn the processes and learn music, period. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a lot of my stuff's sample-based, mm-hmm. so I still need to know key. I still need to know pitch. I still need to know tone because if I'm using a sample and I'm using more than one sample, I need to make sure that they match and it sounds right. Because it still has to sound like music. It just can't sound like a bunch of noise. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they don't take the time to learn all of that. They they think, well, I'm going to make beats. I don't need to know that. I was like, no, you need to know that. <laughs> and I think that's what the big difference is with the kids coming up. Now, with the music that is thrusted to us and put on the radio for us to consume... 
And that's a whole nother. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're as a rapper, we still, it's us in the, against the industry. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the industry finds out what makes fast money and who they can make the most money off of, and that's what they're going to push. Yeah, of course. They're not going to sit there and take the people that, know and how can read contracts <laughs> they're not going to want to work with, they're not going to want to sign them well i mean it's it it's interesting that you bring it up because i feel like with today's technology and social media everybody everybody gets on their social media and they, they they're going to be a star right mm-hmm. and then you also have all these different computer programs that are you know a, a quote unquote a studio in a box oh yeah you know everything you're going to ever want is going to be here it's all pre-programmed and stuff like that so you can make uh, whatever song or whatever sound you want, but it's, it's I mean, more than likely you're going to sound like other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the social media gets gets you out there in front of everybody, or gets your face out there, but it doesn't get you in front of everybody else. It's also doing the same thing. Yep. So, I guess the thing is, is that you know, before you, like you were saying, you have to know all these things. You had to know all the different parts to making the song, and uh, what that what that consists of. And then, I, I would say now. Everything is kind of given to you, yeah. Or not, not, not unless you're the person that wants to learn all that stuff. Yeah. Obviously, you can go out and do that still. Well, the, you know, there are a lot of shortcuts, but it's not, it's not all a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when I was still in junior high, my parents bought me. Uh, it was Tandy. It, it was Radio Shack's version of the Commodore sixty four. Mm. So what the Commodore sixty four was was a key, a computer built into a keyboard that you plugged into your TV, mm-hmm. just like an Atari or anything else. <laughs> and it, it gave you a code. It gave you a book, and the book was code. So you were basically learning how to code. Right. Because that's the only way it could run programs. So it had this one program where you could make it play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. So I put in, I programmed it, I put in the program, and it played it. But then I'm like, well, what will happen if I change that four to a three? Mm-hmm. What if I change, if I pull that comma out? What if I change the code? What's going to happen to the song? And then I realized changing the code changes the melody, changes the song. Mm-hmm. So I started reverse engineering the code. And you can still do that. You know, that's the thing is you have, they have advantages that I didn't have, that the younger generations didn't have. But take advantage of them. Figure it out. Figure out how they made that bass line, how they played it, what what they did, what what key it's in. Reverse engineer what you're given instead of just, okay, this is the loops that I'm given. I'm going to put these loops together in this form, and now I'm making music. Right. You no, know, that's cool. It's a way to start. It's a way to, to trigger your creativity, to get you your mind thinking that way. But once you're there, now reverse engineer it. And instead of just waiting for someone else to create a sound pack, start creating your own sounds. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I, I think that they f- kind of fall a little short with the laziness because they want it now. Right. Is they're not willing to take that risk. And I understand when you're young, you know, you don't want to put yourself out there. No. You don't want to be ridiculed. Uh-huh. You know, you don't want to be different. No. And that's the hardest thing to do is But to, different is what gets you recognized too. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that gives you longevity and makes people want to come around you, want to work with you is because you are different. Mm-hmm. So, I you know I, I think technology is wonderful. I mean, I wish I had the capabilities now that I did, you know, back then that they have now. Because I w- it would have been a lot easier, a lot quicker learning curve for me. But they just need to take advantage of those. And, you know, social media is great. I mean, I use it a lot. I, I've gotten out there and, excuse me, made a lot of friends. I mean, I basically met you yeah. through Instagram by, Instagram. Com, you know, yeah. commenting on your stuff and just kind of having a rapport that way. And, you know, we we finally met face to face. You know, it's a great way to meet people. But a lot of them are afraid to take that step to meet people. That's true. And with music, you still have to get out there and perform you know i me and mercs we go to san diego we go to phoenix we go to tucson we perform at little dive bars little holes in the wall but every time we go perform two or three people will be like hey you know we'll be exchanging information with them we were in san diego i met a guy from indianapolis 
and he's on one of the songs that's going to be on the new project. And we, you know, we call each other on the phone, you know, people still talk to each other. <laughs> it's not just texting, you know, not, not, you know, not just a DM. We will call each other and chop it up and, you know, ask him how his family's doing. And, you know, that, but that's another road, another avenue we have. There's, there's someone in Indianapolis that likes what we do that appreciates us. So we could go there and perform. And that's the thing is getting out getting out there in front of people because social media only takes you so far. Right. And you know, you got to get, you got to get out there in their faces and hand them the card, hand them your download card or whatever you have. I imagine that, that, I mean, uh, meeting up with someone from Indianapolis, uh, the, but the technology today allows it so that you can, you can email him or, you know, Dropbox him, your side of the audio or the mm-hmm. song or something, and then he can add his stuff from his place, and then you, you're collaborating, but over a great distance. I mean, it's not something long distance collaboration, probably not the newest thing, but it's also you're not sending a audio cassette through the mail or something like that. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, before they would, because they used to record on either tape or DAT. Right. So you would, if, someone from the east coast was working with someone from the west coast back in the day either they had to fly them out there to record their vocals Mm -hmm. or they would record on the tape here and then they would have to ship the tape out to the east coast so they could splice their part in right now yeah i just i put them i sent him the beat i sent it to him in in my uh digital somewhat digital way yep and he i told him okay now just send send me everything back he sent it back and we uploaded it. We put it into the session, and you you can you won't even really tell because the quality of where he recorded it matched our quality. But then once we get finished with it, you're not you can't right. tell yeah, that exactly. he wasn't in the booth in in our studio with us. So mixing it properly and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so when was it that you came to Yuma? We moved to Yuma in 2000, September September 17th. 2000 it was 117 degrees that day. <laughs> <laughs> a nice uh, reality check right oh yeah like okay yes it is hotter than new mexico <laughs> <laughs> so when you were coming to yuma and i mean i, I bring this up because of you mentioning going to san diego mm-hmm. going to phoenix tucson stuff like that were you was that was the music scene something you were worried about here like coming into the end here I, I was i was excited because okay it's gonna be a bigger city that there's going to be, you know, more people. So I'll be able to kind of get in, meet the people that are, you know, that have the hip hop scene going here and, you know, work with them. And it's, it's always an adventure for me. Mm -hmm. I I look at something as this is a new adventure. This is a new group of people that I could work with, that I could learn from. They're going to have a different sound. They're going to have a different style. So, and, and, you know, I was older when we moved here. Uh, I think I was like 28. Yeah, because it's about 20 years ago. So, yeah, I was about 28 years old when we moved here. And so I was older. Mm-hmm. And now if I would have been younger, I would have probably been more apprehensive because I wasn't, wouldn't have been as sure of myself. But at that point, I had just finished a project that we had. We literally finished a project we recorded in New Mexico. And we had gone to L.A. for a vacation to take our kids to Disneyland and visit my wife's people. So I took the, you know, back then this, you had to press CDs. There was <laughs> the CD baby was barely coming online at that time. Mm-hmm. And this was 99. So CD baby was barely coming online. So I had my CDs. I took them out to LA. I went into the mom and pop shops and I'm like, Hey, you know, I have the CD and every shop that I stopped at, they're like, okay, hold on. He goes, do you have a, a store copy? I'm like, sure. Here you go. Every single DJ opened it because record stores usually have a DJ in them. And he listened to it first. He listened, They listened to it and they're like, okay, cool. Yeah, this is quality. We'll carry it. Mm. And that made me feel great because yeah. here I'm coming from small town New Mexico and I'm shopping my stuff in record stores in L.A. And half of them thought I was from L.A. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that speaks to the quality. Yep. So, so the, you know, coming into Yuma at that time, I was, you know, I had that confidence behind me. I, I, I was established already. And, you know, I met a few people here and there. And, you know, once I got settled in, you know, just started working and collaborating and just kind of moving slow. But it was nice because I'm like, all right, shoot, between San Diego and Phoenix, you know, a good spot to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, OK, so that 
that that brings up another interesting point. The twenty years that you've, or almost twenty years you've spent here, what is the the Yuma music scene? What I mean, is it is it a big one? Is it does it is it something that's comparable to? Uh, I mean, obviously not to like L.A. or something like that, but like, what's it like here? I mean, it's it's pretty big. There yeah. there is a lot of musicians in Yuma. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all types of musicians. You, you, there's a lot of MCs out here. There's a lot of beat makers out here making names for themselves. There's a lot of uh, Mexican bands. I mean, because we run a studio and our studio is a business. So we get a lot. We've been open for about four years now. So now we're getting a lot of different variety of musicians through there. And it's, it's nice because now they have a place that is a real studio. It, it's a legitimate studio where they can go and they have people that are working on their projects that know what they're doing and can understand how to bring their vision to life. Like, uh, have you ever heard of Vinkman's Ghost? Mm-hmm. Okay, Vinkman's Ghost record there. They recorded two albums there and they're working on their third album. And they record with uh, my business partner, Adrian, because he mainly works with bands okay. and singers. I, I mainly do all the, all the hip hop and rap because mm-hmm. that's kind of where my specialty is and his is he can do both but he likes to work with the bands um we've had uh oh i always um always forget his name and i don't think i ever pronounce it properly <laughs> uh he's a he's a he's a, a mexican singer and i mean he's he's i think it's oh i get i have to look him up <laughs> <laughs> oh I'll, I'll find it in a minute but he's um but he's recorded. Yes, he's he's reco- he records in our studio with Adrian. He does a lot of stuff there, and he, I mean, he's actually making a name for himself. He's, you know, doing actual tours in Mexico and here in the U.S. He's he's a brilliant musician, songwriter. He's a great talent. So there's a lot of gems around here. It's just there's not the venue, and mm-hmm. that and that's the the drawback is we don't have like an actual venue we can go to and perform where hey this night we're gonna have local bands this night we're gonna have you know it's gonna be hip-hop night we can have local rappers out here performing we have to do it all on our own mm-hmm. like a lot of a lot of the other mcs out here other other rappers they they have their crews and they'll they'll go to derailed or they'll go to different areas and they'll perform there they'll they'll get the venue and then they they're their crew performs there. So it's, it's hard because we have to do everything on our own as far as the venue. And I think that, I think that's the biggest drawback we have is there's no big music venue for local artists, independent artists to come through. I think I have a guy from Tucson that I know that has always hit me up. Hey, where I want to bring my acts down there. And I'm like, there's really no place to, to come that, you know, it's going to, you could submit your stuff to and say, Hey, we're going to be here this night. They're like, all right, cool. We could put you on the bill. Right. And I don't, I don't like doing that. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it, it, it is because there's a lot of talent. There is so much talent out here and they just don't have really that place to showcase it. And some places are starting to pick it up a little bit, but um, I think Ricky's other place is one of the, one of the best places. I know they uh, they allow bands and they have DJs in there. And oh, okay. So I think Ricky's other place is like one of the a good venue. They they allow you, but you have to do all the legwork. You have to put it together. And right. I don't like doing that. Oh, that was going to be another thing. I was going to ask you if you've done some work as a promoter and like getting <sighs> getting things together like that. I have in the past. Yeah. Because that's just to get our stuff out there, but I don't like it. It's, no. it's a lot of leg work and <laughs> it's just, it's just too much drama for me. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a creative. I, I like to sit there and just veg out and create. Right. I, I don't, don't want to work. That's what that's, I mean, that does sound like it'd be more of the, um, uh, non-creative logistics sides mm-hmm. of, of the business and stuff like that. So. Yeah, people that like to organize stuff, they, <laughs> oh, they love it. They love it. Oh, my wife, every time I would do it, my wife said, okay, this is what we're going to do here. This is what we're going to buy this. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Just tell me where I need to be. <laughs> yep, yep. What time do I go on and so I can perform? <laughs> uh, have you seen any changes in, in local music in the 20 years? It's gotten a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's just, I mean, and that's a great thing because you want to get better. I mean, I've gotten better. Yeah. And, but no, it's, it's gotten, it's gotten really good. You, you got a lot of people that, that work together. And this is what's really interesting is when we first started open back up, 
that's when I met Merckx. Merckx is 21, getting, getting ready to be 22. And they, him and his boys, they came in and they bought studio time. And then we started working. And then they would bring in songs. I would make beats for them. And they're like, hey, uh, you want to get on this song? I'm like, you sure you want me on this song? <laughs> I'm like, sure, cool. And, you know, so I'd write. And, you know, they kept on asking me to get on songs. And I was actually kind of trying to step back from rapping as much and just work on on producing and they kept pulling me back in and i'm i'm it was like mind-boggling to me because it was just odd that this younger you know these kids 20 years younger than me want me to rap with them and you know that that made me feel really good because that's one thing as a as a rapper as a musician period and a songwriter you you feel like you get dated Mm-hmm. because you just you're not i'm not writing stuff that connects with the my, youth of today yeah exactly which is probably the biggest demographic for mm-hmm. music what i write it connects with all the old heads all the, <laughs> you know all the the older generation but there's still an audience though and and i think that's one thing that we forget as creatives is you know there are listeners my age mm-hmm. that want to listen to what i'm saying because it makes sense to them it works in their world so I, I thought that was really cool that there really, there's not too much of that pushback that you see on on YouTube and on the internet where these young rappers are disrespecting the, you know, the gods of, of hip hop and <laughs> saying, oh, I don't know who that is. Oh, he's boring. And and I, I'm noticing, I'm thinking, well, that's more of a publicity stunt to gain views mm-hmm. than it is what they really believe. Right. Because I've never really ran into that in as far as people that are actually artists now listeners is a different category you know music listeners are music listeners and every listener is different they listen to music for different reasons but as far as artists yeah they they love working with us they they like talking to me and you know a lot of them you know they'll take some of what i have to say and use it and then discard what they don't what doesn't work for them Mm -hmm. but no even like the the rappers that I met when I first got here, you know, they're really doing good stuff. And, and the young rappers, there's some young rappers that are doing some good stuff too. And I mean, even, even the guys that do the music that I don't care about, it still sounds good. Mm-hmm. And it's still, it's, you can, there's quality and they're working hard at it. And I mean, and that's what, that's what it's all about is just working through and finding yourself with music and where you want to be with it. And on a personal note, when, I mean, Obviously, when you're creating a song, you're 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 uh, you're writing and, and and rapping and stuff like that. It's probably one one feeling of accomplishment. But when you're on the other side and you're helping uh, produce the song and make it sound great, like is that two different feelings of accomplishment, or is that is it all kind of run together? Or are you just you're just happy that the music is great? You know, it, it's it, it's kind of the same feeling. Yeah, it really is. Um, it. It just feels like when I finish a song and I'm 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 listening back to it and I'm just like, oh yes, this is dope, man. Oh my god, that, oh did I really say that? Oh, how did I how did I come up with that line? And then when Merck's comes in and I give him a beat, he's like, okay, okay, this is what I got, and I'm listening to him, you know, rattle off his verse. I'm like, oh man, that's dope. Oh, and I, he gives me chills, and and that's that's just the excitement of it. So it's just you're 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 all a part of it. So. If I have my, I'm just happy I could have my hands on it and mm-hmm. be a part of this creative process because that's what I love is just that whole process and, and creating something that wasn't there, didn't exist until we put it together. So yeah, it, even people that pay and pay for the services, like I had a kid come in, he, um, he calls himself Columbus with a K and his project is for me as the type of hip hop head that I am, I loved it. You know, he he took the um, um, Homer's journey and he turned it into a project. Right. And he's talking about the the summer solstice and and all of these different things that happen in that book. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, that is so creative. I would have never thought of doing that. <laughs> never. And you know, and I, I take ideas from a bunch of different things. And, you know, we sat in there and it was like seven songs. We worked on it for a couple of weeks, about uh, 
about a little bit over maybe two months, he'd come in and you know the same thing. You know, I told him, hey, this is the way I work. This is what it's going to be. I helped him, you know, and I, like if things weren't working right, I was like, ah, you might want to rethink that, you know, just helping him. And when it was done, I mean, I was like, man, this is, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to help him bring his vision to life. So, yeah, I mean, it's just the whole part of creating music and, and bringing something to life that that's going to mean something to someone for a long time. That's awesome. So, 1986, 2019, 30-plus years. I imagine uh, you were listening to certain types of music back then, and and now you've probably picked up a few since then. Your personal songwriting, have have you felt it changed? Uh, Not just for the better, but like just in what you're you're singing about, what you're rapping about. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, because as anything, as a writer, period, as a musician, you have to find yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to find what defines you, defines your sound, defines your style. <clears throat> I I consider it lucky where I grew up because I had both East and West Coast mm-hmm. influences. Um, you know, the first hip hop I heard, first rap music I heard was all East Coast. And then one day my friend comes by and says, hey, put push play on this. <laughs> You know, and I hear Ice Cube, and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? And NWA came in, and that just, like, took over. It, it took over a lot of what I listened to. But creati- creatively, I've always been a blend between the East and the West Coast musically. I, I'll, I do lean more towards the East Coast because that's just where my influences started. Mm-hmm. And, and I like more gutter underground sounding music i like it raw i don't really like it too polished and pretty um and west coast music you know it's 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 it, it has a, a brightness to it a different it's it's rawness is a little bit different but the musicality is a little bit brighter but but what they say the lyrics you know on both ends it doesn't matter the, the lyrically that you have some some amazing lyricists so yeah, you know, it just with age, I've kind of put away some of the stuff that I would talk about, that I would write about. You know, I guess it's kind of hard to say not all, not every rapper that's been doing it like me. You know, you thought I was a gangster for a while, and you know, I mean, because it's like you're trying to find your way through everything. But now I'm I'm settled into my style, and you know, it's just it's just more of a raw kind of in your face reality style is what I do, what I write. I've, I've always. I've always leaned more heavily towards Chuck D mm. and his lyrics and what he says and, and the message that he brings. So that's kind of where I've always leaned heavier towards those type of MCs than anything else. So what would you say has been the biggest lesson that you've learned in the 30 plus years that you've been doing this? Learn as much as you can. Yeah. Do, do as much as you can by yourself because the more you know, the less you pay. Ooh. And it, it just rings true. And I mean, I know not everybody can bend their mind that way mm-hmm. to go from one one end of the candle to the other and, you know, burn at both ends. Right. But find find things that, that kind of go together and it's going to help you out. Because when we did Merckx's solo project, Forget What You Heard, he asked me, he goes, how much would that have cost me if I had to pay for it? Because I made all his beats. I did all his recording. Uh, I produced the project. I shot his photos. I created the cover art, did the graphics, shot and edited all his videos, directed the videos. And I, I told him, oh, once, it, once everything was said and done, that project would have cost close to sixty thousand dollars if you would have had to pay for all of that right and he he just sat back and he's like wow (laughs) i'm like but that's why i always i learned that very young the more i knew the more i could do at a decent level Mm -hmm. the less i would have to pay someone to do it and that's just it just learn as much as you can i i never stop learning i learn I learn something new every day from different people. There's always a lesson to, that comes out of something. 
but the more self-sufficient you are, the better you're going to be. And then you can turn around and help people and then, you know, make a little bit of money off of what you know. Because as you get better and the quality of your product gets better, they're going to be like, hey, you know, I really like that. I like that sound. Yep. I like that look. I like the way you shoot your video. I like the way you edit. Mm -hmm. So you can become a commodity. And it it helps me. It helps me fund things that I do when people come into the studio or pay me for other services. I'm I'm able to be like, okay, well that's cool. Get a little bit of money, pays the the rent for the studio. Yeah. So uh, we talked a little bit about uh, social media and how that uh, helps out local or young starting artists and stuff like that. But we here in Yuma, we have that. A local radio station. They mm-hmm. they do their their spotlight on yep. local artists and stuff like how local monster the local monster. How mm-hmm. how effective would you say that is? How uh, important? It's very important. Okay, it is. Even though I'm gonna be honest, I don't listen to the radio. I never have. <laughs> but when I know that our song's gonna be on the radio, I listen to the radio. There you go. No, but you know it it it's always important because that is always the end goal. Mm-hmm. To be on the radio. It don't matter if you're on Spotify. It doesn't matter if you're on Apple Music or streaming services. Because those are listeners that reach that you don't even know. You know, it's cool because people in New York can listen to the songs that we put out. But they're going to look for your song. Like they they are already on their way to it. Whereas on the radio, it's more like you're reaching people that might not have even thought about your song. Exactly. I get that. And just, you know, that's as, as much as the technology progresses and our ability to get out there without the need of radio and MTV showing videos and everything, but just the fact that your home radio station plays your song Mm -hmm. it's an accomplishment it feels good and then somebody comes up like hey hey i heard your song on the radio man and it's just like yes what's up (laughs) but it is because we um we had a song called friday and it's a really good upbeat song uh ty and bricks were the rappers on it it was on a project we did called more than a mixtape Real fun song, party song, you know, kind of like a first of the month type song, you know, drinking, you know, get together, hangout song. And they played it. It was playing on the radio. And my wife came home from work and she 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 laughs at me. She she just thinks I'm so funny. She doesn't take anything I do serious. You know, she's like, oh, he's, there he goes again. He's doing something else. And she goes, yeah, um, this, I, she goes, your song was playing at work today. And, and I, these girls, they were all dancing. They're like, oh, my God, I love that song. It's so good. And, and she's like, yeah, that's my husband's song. He produced it. They're like, really? She goes, yeah. You know, but, but for her, it's, it's, it's like, she thinks it's funny. She's like, oh, my God. She's heard, she probably heard it in the house like so many times and stuff. Oh, yeah. No, this, is, this is the funniest story. So when I was getting, barely getting to know my wife, uh, we had a song on the radio in our hometown. And it was playing. And, of course, I had it on tape. And she was in her car. And I jumped in her car. I was like, oh, check this out. I played the song for her. And she could care less. <laughs> she was like, oh, that's cool. She was like, and I mean, in, in hindsight, it's cool because, you know, she loves me for me. Right. But, you know, but some days I'm like, you just really don't care about what I do. do you? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that, I mean. That that is one way of just like imagine it's like yeah it's 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 the music that I'm already around all the time but mm-hmm. these people are not around it so yeah. it's just that much better. Um, who okay so here we go, Ge- geeking out. Who who was your influences, music wise? Music wise, my my you know my first influence uh, was KRS One. And Roxanne Chante, because that's a and UTFO, because that's a lot of the first early music we listened to. And as as I got as it got older, as it progressed, Run DMC, LL Cool J, NWA, Chuck D, that that was where it was at. Mm-hmm. And you know, back back in the eighties, you had to be a rap group. You were a crew. You mm-hmm. weren't just a rapper. Right. You were a rapper. You had a DJ. I started off, I was the DJ. Mm-hmm. And the DJ's job was to m- make the beats. 
that was the DJ's job. You, <laughs> you scratched and you made the beats and you kept the instrumentals in line. That was me. So, you know, they had, you know, I had Jam Master Jay was, was one of my idols and, um, you know, Dr. Dre, cause that he was a DJ. That's mm-hmm. how he started. So those were, those were the main foundations that, that created what I am. And then when Wu-Tang came along, well, RZA just, I mean, it's just, that's the God right there. <laughs> he just really just turned it all upside down. And, you know, people are still trying to catch up to what he was doing in the 80s. True. So those were, those were my main foundations and influences. And then now, now who, who do you admire? Who, like, who of artists nowadays? Oh, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. His, his writing ability and the way he puts songs together just, blows my mind he, <laughs> he blows my mind the way Rakim and Chuck D and, and Cube and, and Snoop and all of them blew my mind when I was younger Kendrick blows my mind like that um, I also like uh, Lupe Fiasco but I don't know what happened to him <laughs> he just kind of went left somewhere but Lupe, Lupe writes good I like the way he writes musically I haven't really heard anyone new that Throwing you away. Yeah, that does anything that makes me kind of take a take a second listen to because a lot of the producers are still they're still looking for the sound and a lot of a lot of these new producers are producing sound that was already done. So there's there's not like too many producers or beat makers that I've heard that kind of make me take notice. Um, Joiner, I, I can't. I always forget his name. But he's dope too. Hmm. He's really good. So let me ask you this: not that you belong in a box and you can only like rap and stuff <laughs> like that, but we go we go into your car or onto your iPod or whatever it is, and what's what what are we going to be? What's surprising us? What what's the song? What's the artist that's going to surprise us on that list? People that don't know me, yeah. The artist that surprises them a lot is Prince. Yeah. Prince is my idol. Oh, hey. Prince is the end-all, be-all. Prince all, is everybody's all. idol. <laughs> he, he, he is the end-all, be-all for me. Him him, and Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. But Prince is number one. So uh, did you get to go see him live? Never. Never? Never. Oh, that's unfortunate. I, yeah, it was, especially when he was in Vegas. We really wanted to get out there, but we just, we just couldn't at the time. Couldn't make it. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I really wish because... I could have seen because when he came out with, um, oh, what was the name of that album? Oh, it'll it'll come to me. But he he did. Uh, I'm useless when it comes to music. Yeah. So <laughs> he he did uh, he he. They released the concert footage. He put out a seat uh, VHS. VCR, VHS cassette. Oh, now you're and, really yeah. going to be upsetting the <laughs> Gen Zers. So he he um, they filmed his concert and he he put it out. Sign of the Times. Sign of the Times. Okay. Sign of the Times concert and just watching him perform was I was like, wow, this man is out there doing this in heels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's killing the guitar. He's just he's just destroying it. Yeah. But Prince Prince is is one that people will be like, you listen to Prince? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't exactly. He's like, where have you been? <laughs> um, what what live shows? Like, what what live shows have you loved going going to? You know, I've <laughs> I've honestly been to three concerts in my entire life really yeah i've never gone to one so yeah yeah um one of i and i'm honored this is a moment in my life that i i hold near and dear uh when we were when i was still in new mexico i don't know how they got them there but zap and roger Mm -hmm. came to town and gave a concert and that now was front row oh and, and watching them perform was just so amazing. You know, I got to, I got a high five from Zap. You know, it was, it was just so cool. Um, and when we were in, still in New Mexico, we'd go to El Paso to their, like, summer power jam for the radio station. I did see Destiny's Child when they were barely coming out. Uh, but the one, one that another standout was watching Busta Rhymes live. Buster Rhymes is wow. no joke, and this was this was right after "Give Me Some More" came out. Nice, 
And you know that song, that cadence is a da 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 da, and <laughs> him and Spliff were up there, and he just destroyed the stage. He just killed it. So those those were those were the highlights. Those are the concerts that I've gone to. Um, the biggest letdown oh. was Smoking Grooves tour was coming through El Paso. Man, me and my cousin Cypress Hill's gonna be there. Oh <laughs> hell yeah. We we got it all. We bought the tickets, everything. We get we get to El Paso. Show was canceled. Oh man, that is a disappointment. It was that's the biggest disappointment, is it we didn't get to see them on the smoke because it was it was Cypress Hill, Fuji's, Buster Rhymes, and I think they had a couple of other acts. I don't remember who else was with them. And I'll, that I mean that was that was the show that I just really wanted to see. So that that's the biggest disappointment of shows that I didn't get to. Actually, I was going to and it didn't happen. Right, that's unfortunate. A cool thing. Side note: uh, DJ Quick came to Yuma when okay. I was when I was still working at the newspaper. So that was cool because I covered it for the newspaper. So I was right there with uh, Sugar Free and and right stage side with, with dj quick <laughs> that was dope that was dope he put on a hell of a show that's awesome um we talked about this a little bit when we were at the the library con uh but the crossover between superhero comic books and and hip-hop rap stuff like that like oh yeah what what has been like the the coolest one for you like the idea. I mean, you you talked about the Wu Tang Clan before, yeah. and Bust Rhymes recent just now. But like, mm-hmm. what, what's like? What, I guess not even just the coolest, but like, what? Why is it? Why is why is the two gravitate to each other? Do you feel they're both escapes? Yeah, you know when when you're young, and I mean, hip hop, rap music, not as much today. But when it started, it started from the ghetto. Mm-hmm. It started from the inner city, from poverty, and it was just people trying to find an escape from their reality. Comic books have always been inexpensive. They're mm-hmm. not, I mean, you know, back back in the 70s, they were like 25 cents right. or less. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, even if you're coming up poor, you're going to find a quarter on the, on, the, on the street somewhere. Right. You're going to find change somewhere. You can go turn in some cans and get, yeah, get that. Yeah, exactly. Turn in some cans, turn in some bottles. Mm-hmm. And you have it right there. You have these people living, you know, especially in New York, because that's where Marvel and DC, that's where they exist is New York. So, you know, you're having this escape. You're, you're reading Spider-Man. He's just a normal person. He's not, you know, he's not rich. He's just, he's an orphan. He's you know, coming up, being raised by his aunt. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how many stories are out there that that's true? Yeah. So it's, it's that escape. And when you can incorporate it, into your music because that's what you feel. Uh, you know, I know the sense that I feel when when I'm in the booth and and I just nail my rhyme. It's mm-hmm. just on point. I mean, you you feel invigorated. You feel charged up. You, <laughs> you feel, feel superpowered. Yeah, you, you, you feel like you can destroy the world. You know, you're just there. And I think that's why it, it goes hand in hand is because that was always the escape. Listening to music is an escape. And you couldn't go and read these books that you know the high end of literature mm-hmm. because the libraries probably were too far True. you couldn't get a library card so you every every newsstand had comic, comic books. books yeah yeah that, that makes complete sense it's um so that brings us to the question <laughs> if you could have one useless superpower what would it be yeah i've been thinking about this since you told me i'm like man what? it has to be useless i know i'm like oh what 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 would it be what would it be <laughs> I mean, oh. we've also changed it a little bit so that if you can't come up with something useless what would be your superpower but you have to have a curse like something to go with it that that is a negative <laughs> Man, you're talking about my life now. No, this is true. <laughs> I know, I know. See, okay, let me, let me. Oh man, I'm. I, I don't want to. I want to. I don't want to give you no, uh, no dead air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, it's. It's not live. I can always edit it. Oh but. yeah, I know. But it, oh man, what like a useless power? And, you know, and I'm. I'm like, okay. You know, I watch comic book men. They're always doing this. Yeah. I'm always in. Now I'm on the spot, and I can't think. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that how it is? Too? You're like, oh, I could come up with that. No oh, problem. Yeah. <laughs> on the spot change. Changes everything, and that's yeah. it's kind of what you were talking about earlier. You know, being right behind that microphone for 
for the first time, mm-hmm. it, you, your whole body probably just checks out. Oh. Your, your mind is just like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing up yeah. here. It's like that scene in Doctor Strange when he gets kicked right out of his body. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, definitely. Oh, man, let's see. A useless. I'm trying to think. Of, I've seen some pretty useless powers. <laughs> oh, I guess it would have to be. Oh man, because I mean everything I'm thinking of has a use to it. <laughs> I guess the the ability to talk backwards. Okay, yeah, that's completely useless, <laughs> but it would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. To just be able to speak backwards like it was my first language. <laughs> could you, could, would, would that be interesting in the booth, like doing, like rapping and, and ha- having backwards words and stuff oh, like that? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, because um, um, Missy Elliott did it. Oh. Can you work it? Okay, so they, part and, of that and, is... But, but, and then she got that from old dirty bastard okay he he they actually like played i think it was like a whole verse they played it in reverse wow and then they used to do it on albums at the end of albums they would record something in reverse so that you could stop it and then play it in reverse to hear what they were saying (laughs) just like the old uh wives tale that you know the there's (laughs) satan and stuff like that on the records oh yeah playing backwards play kiss backwards you're gonna hear them chanting to god to to the devil let me that's the other thing uh before before we finish wrapping up um the big debate that between you know digital downloads and vinyl, you know, records mm-hmm. like that. How do you fall? Is there is there a thing? Is should there be a debate? Should should it just be people like whatever they like, kind of thing? Or I I feel people should consume music to the what works for them, okay, and what they enjoy. Is there a difference? Yes, there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's probably been about a year or two we started going back and, and buying vinyl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had someone on Craigslist long time ago was giving away a ton of rock albums. She go, they're like, come get them. I'm like, oh, I'm there. I'm, I, I'm I already there. I don't say no to albums. <laughs> Went and, and got them. And these, these things were in really, really, really good condition. You just gave them away. Yeah, because they were moving and they just, just couldn't move them. Yeah. So I had him. I had him in my house for. I think my son, my middle son, was like a, going to be a sophomore. He's going to be twenty one now. So I had him in the house forever, and I'd gotten my turntables repaired because they gotten you know over the years gotten beat up. And I told my wife, I was like, you know what? I found some record stores in San Diego that'll buy these albums, and I can trade them and get some albums that I want right. to, to sample. Well, I never realized my wife had never been in a record store. Huh. She had never been to a real record store. So we're I'm in there digging and going through stuff and pulling out stuff. And I got $200 for those albums. Wow. Yeah. So then we're sitting there and there's a bar right next to the to the album's shop. It's it's called Folk Art is the album shop in San Diego. Great place. They, if you name it, they have it. Great place to go. And my wife's like, you know what? I really liked the way the album sounded. I'm like, well, yeah, it's it's a totally different feel. So she goes, well, I want to I want to get a system at the house. Mm-hmm. So I went out and bought an old uh, Pioneer. Got there's a, a, a shop in San Diego. Bought a nice Pioneer receiver. Bought some JBL speakers, some old '60s speakers, and I have my Technique 1200 from mm. from when I was a kid <laughs> from 1986 and got the stylist and we just you know we play albums and and she's like she goes you know i never thought i'd say this but there's a difference oh so me being the type of person i am with music i i I prefer to listen to albums over anything cassette tapes anything you just don't even even with new music i've I've bought newer music that's been pressed to vinyl right and it's it's you just don't get that sound it's a great sound hmm so sonically, there is a difference, but yeah, teach his own. Okay, you know, buying albums, be, getting into that isn't isn't cheap, especially right. when you're just starting out. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get stuff, but you're gonna want quality stuff because mm-hmm. if it's not quality, you're not really gonna see too much of a difference. But no, it's 
to each his own when when you consume your music. Right. <laughs> well, this, it's been uh, an hour, so I'm so great. I'm grateful that you have been here. Um, where is it that people can uh, contact you, talk to you, uh, listen to you, stuff like that? Is, is it um, best um, for Instagram? Yeah, yeah. Instagram's the best. Okay. I, I'm, I'm on. I mean, you know, I'm always, I'm, I'm always liking your stuff on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm so bad because I never remember what it is. Here it is. So on, you can follow us on Instagram. It's E underscore stab. So it's E underscore S T A B. And is there uh, like a website or uh, what, you know, anything like that or just, uh, just Instagram? Just, well, we're on, we're on Twitter. Um, it's uh, E stab rec at E stab rec. Um, we're on Facebook, E stab. We're on uh, YouTube. Just, just search E stab records. Google E stab records. Yeah. If you Google E stab records, all our stuff pops up. <laughs> so, but if you really want to get a hold of me, it, in Instagram, I'm always on the gram. I, I love the gram. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, it's 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 there. Everybody likes it. So yeah, uh, yeah. Once again, thank you, thank you for coming on. This has been a great conversation. I'm so happy that you did it. Oh well, thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I, I really do. This is this has been really fun. And you know, like I said, I've been listening to your podcast, and you you guys have do some good stuff. Oh, thank you. You guys are real entertaining. I really <laughs> enjoy it. All right. So this has been Hey Mitch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. <laughs> This concludes our broadcast. Mitch here from Geek Elite Media, and I want to talk to you about Cuts by Candice, an experienced hairstylist that is willing to work with you to get the right look for you. When it comes to important events in my life and I need to look good, I trust my hair with Candice. Mention our promo code GEEKOUT when making your appointment through the end of May 2019, and you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts by Candace 3 on Instagram and start looking the best you you can.